And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show. Monday through on the Athletic Podcast Network. This is Nerder She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo DeKeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Partnow. And welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. I'm Dave Dufour, and it's Friday, so that means it's Nerder, she wrote. Joining me as they do each and every week, Moda Kill and Seth Partnell. What's up, guys? Not a whole lot, Dave. We're just browning to the last week of basketball, baby. See, I this is where you're wrong. There is a lot going on. This is the most exciting end of the regular season since I started covering the league, which is not actually that long. It's only seven years, but still, the most exciting finish to a regular season uh, in the short amount of time I've been covering. So, I mean, there's a lot going on. I mean, I, I understand what you mean, but I am, like, even on my nights off, guys, checking the stand. This is actually a lot of fun. That, that part is true. We do have yeah. the closest we've ever had it. Um, but, you know, like, I'm not going to be tuning in. Well, I know you're uh, not as impressed. Orlando I- and Washington tomorrow or tonight when ever you're listening to these folks uh, but it is good basketball that we're getting down the stretch yeah seth are you, are you having a good time right now or what i am having a good time i'm also having a good time knowing i'm gonna be on vacation this time next week so just uh getting my ducks in a row all right i guess my mice in a row since i'm at disney oh yeah no that was no you still could have done ducks donald ducks you still man yeah. you, cut, you yeah. know you didn't have to go with the 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 vermin so could have gone with the duck well, we uh, decided that it's been too long since we had a mailbag episode, so we went to good old twitter.com while it's still alive, and we threw out the call for questions, and we got some good ones, so I want to jump right in. Friend of the program, from The Athletic, Mike Vorkanoff asked, and this is a loaded question because he already knows how I feel about this. Should we, and we meaning the NBA, get rid of charges? From the NBA, um, guys, I, I think that offensive fouls and charges should be separated, right? Like, let's just do that. There is an offensive foul. You throw that arm out there. If you drop the shoulder, you do any of those things, it's an offensive foul. You, you, but the charge, I'm assuming Mike is referring to guy slides over, the Kyle Lowry special slides over from out of the play, not actually making a basketball play, just getting in the way, doing something not athletic, not impressive, uninteresting. Boring, injurious, injurious. Yeah, just awful. Basically, charges are the bane of my basketball existence. So, should the NBA get rid of those guys? Yes, yes. <laughs> there we go. That's <laughs> so a great way question. to start the show. No, That's so, a- the, I, and I and 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 the, the, there's actually an interesting lesson in sort of unintended consequences here because they were sick of you know the guy waiting all the way under the basket and taking the charge. So we get the charge circle, which well they can't wait all the way under the basket. And now what we have is plays where a guy is driving to the basket, jumps, and another the other guy jumps towards him 
to get outside of this of, of this like kind of imaginary line of the charge circle to undercut him farther away from the basket. And it just it it like so you're in up you're there in time and in position of that you could jump up and try to block the shot, but instead, because of this rules in place, you're going to jump at his knees. Well, I have I have a theory on this, and our next question is actually a good place for me to set up my theory. Um, this comes from uh, Zyan One on Twitter, um, who listened to our podcast with, with Corey Jez, the the data pod where we talked about the new tracking data, and they ask. Leaving interesting defense and offensive questions aside for now, how long until that new data tracking system is used to complain about foul calls? Now, I think it's going to be immediately, and here's why. I watched Rudy Gobert get a reputation travel call in a game. I actually think that sometimes the, the, the stuff is so fast, they call things if they look weird. Well, that looks different. Um, I mean, think about like the Euro step. The Eurostep used to, I mean, the guys who go really slow used to get called for travels all the time. The gather step, all of these rule changes that have come about. So now, if anything just looks wrong, they blow the whistle. Yeah, I don't. Um, first, I just want to go back to the charge thing. Yes. We have a serious problem with the, there was a play in the Cleveland-Atlanta game where Donovan Mitchell was driving down the lane, and I think it might be the play Seth is talking about in particular, but Clint Capella, instead of trying to block the shot, jumped out of the out of the charge circle to draw the charge. This isn't Kyle Lowry. This is a this is a center. This is a rim protecting center who we talk about as a guy who can block shots quite often, trying to draw the charge. Like that's just not a basketball play. What I look about it with charges is okay, rotate over and be a traffic cone. Like that's basically be in the way type stuff. It's it's a terrible play. It's a bad basketball play. Everything like that. To your point about this will help, this will make people complain more in the reputation calls and the, uh, if it looks awkward, it was probably wrong. More often than not, that's the right rule, Dave. Sometimes it is. I <laughs> more know. often Sometimes than not, it if it's awkward, it's like, yeah, that, you know, there, there's going to be occasions where it's not. But hey, that didn't By look means, right. Call, Ru- call a travel on Rudy Gobert anytime he picks up his dribble and is moving outside of the three-point line. That's okay with me. But it was not a travel. Very much not a travel. It just looked goofy. And so this is my theory, but it's the same with charges, right? It's, well, that looked right. It, it was, but it's not. I mean, the bang, bang plays, just get rid of them. Take them out. Take out the incentive for guys to get in the way. But uh, Seth, the tracking data is 100% going to be used to criticize officials. So do you know that the tracking data that teams they all get as part of the the agreement with whoever the prior writer is. Do you know that when it first came out, the referees were included in the tracking data? Because the tracking is like there's do three there's three people in shirts. Like these are <coughs> these are people on the floor that are like just as easy to track from via the technology as the players. They're not they're not using wearables or anything like that. It's literally optically tracking who is on the floor. Um that used to be, and then it was taken out. Do you know why? Because everybody was complaining too. Because Mark Cuban was bitching too much about about everything about the refs, based on like, look, he's standing in the the wrong spot here, and blah blah blah. So they're gonna have you know. to exempt them from the tracking data. 
Or they're just they're 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 not going to they're they're going to not include that as part of the fee. Like the, I'm sure the league has it and, and uses it to analyze positioning and stuff like that. But um, whether or not that they should pass that on to teams, I don't know. But knowing how teams are going to use it. Let's put it this way: It is not going to be used in the spirit of intellectual discovery. Oh yeah, definitely it's, not. It's <laughs> it's it's honestly just going to create more of a headache if you give it to the teams that way and allow them to kind of run through all of this stuff. So honestly, I'm all for them not doing it, just because. Listen, teams complain on every fucking call. Yeah, whether it's I, true or not, <laughs> true and I think not, we're getting they, I, whether we're, we're getting one. to the point now where like you know what? I first off, f- y'all for making me side with the refs. In, in, in that whole place, right? Because now we've just gone so far into that. Rudy Gobert at the end of the game with the, the, the Phoenix Suns goes on this whole rant about the referees and they're, you know, trying to, to set it up one way or not. No, dude, when you set a screen, you can't throw your arms out like that and basically hold the guy. Sorry, that's been the common call for screens. I don't know, since I learned to play basketball in the old days. So, like, for the love of God, like, I, I'm... I'm just tired of it, Dave. Like if the, I don't want to give the teams, the players, the owners, whatever, more data so they can constantly continue to bitch about the refs. Now there is, there is some maybe more useful bits here that would probably be not stuff that would be selectively whatever. Um, I do think it would be interesting. And this is maybe, this is, this is an answer, but not what it was not going to be my answer to another question we have coming, but I've always, I've always thought it would be useful to be able to know. I mean, in in data, we can t- tell which ref made a call. I would like to know which position the ref is in to make a call. So who makes the, you know, I think that would be useful to know, like, if, if who, who as the trail ref calls the most illegal screens, who is the underneath the basket ref, you know, most often, you know, has the most, you know, block charge calls or calls block charges one way or another. I feel like that would be interesting information both from a game planning standpoint, but also just to, to illustrate sort of how a lot of this stuff is interpretation. Well, and, and a little bit of justification when coaches get mad that that referees make the wrong call, because coaches are the ones that usually are mad about that. I have been kicked. I got ejected from a game because the trail uh, referee called an over the back on the opposite side under the basket. So let's just this. That one's for the coaches. It's funny because we'll see players in games complain that the baseline ref didn't call the foul, but the other guy did. And it's like, yo, you got the foul call, man. Just shut up. Yeah. I'm just tired of it. I'm sorry. Like, I'm just, this is really just more me just tired of these dudes complaining. And the refs get a lot wrong. They, not even a lot they wrong, do. but they get stuff wrong. Yeah. There's no question about it. I don't even want to say a lot. it's hard. You're right. This it thing's a hard. very difficult thing to do. And it's just like, I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of all the bitching and moaning from the players. I'm tired of it from all the coaches. I'm tired of the challenges because that's basically what the challenge is. No, you got that wrong. Sometimes they overturn it. Sometimes they don't. Some of these things are obvious. Some of them are not. All that stuff. Anybody who wants to bitch about it, give them the whistle. You do it. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Well, all right. We, we've hammered the referee thing. We're, we're off that. Uh, David Savage asks, what stats do you wish were available that aren't right now? And Mo, we have this conversation in our, in our little group chat constantly, that there's stuff that we wish we knew. And we always ask Seth to find it for. I am begging for, I don't know, the third year in a row that we kind of have this question. I am begging a public stats company provide us with data of teams that go on runs, who has the most consecutive runs, who has the most, you know, uh, uh, most consecutive stops. I'm dying for that type of data. I just dropped an article about the Boston Celtics and Coach Missoula's uh, tactics and things like that. I would have definitely have used some of that data in there. It's just not available publicly. I already had to bother Seth for some stats in that one. I didn't want to bother him for a second time uh, with all that stuff. And I'm just saying like that, it, that for me, that's dominance. I have a team that I can go on a 12 to two run and we do this regularly and, and you know, or I can get five stops in a row that matters. And, and to be honest, this all came from, for me at least, is uh, Darvin Ham calls it kills. I don't know if that came from you guys in Milwaukee, Seth. Um, that, this all came to me from a coaching clinic where Rick Carlisle talked about it, where he was confident his teams would win games. They had an assistant coach charting it. They would win a game if they got three consecutive stops seven times in a game. And that was the thing they charted, and they kept track of. I don't know, you know what the numbers are. I don't know if it's changed. Since I heard that, that was back in like 2013, 14. Um, maybe it's changed and the number has changed. But I just do found it that once. Second. Do it once in a game now, and you, and you, you win. might win. I mean, yeah. I dare Sacramento to just get two stops in a row. I'm um, sorry, low blow. Um, but I think that's a stat. I'm just dying for that kind of data. Please, somebody cleaning the glass, impredictable, uh, PVP, like whatever, just somebody. Make it available so I can have it. Seth, is there? <laughs> yeah, no, that's your stats that, guy. No, and the, and the thing is, is Mo has actually been asking for that for the entire time we've been doing the show, and I've just been too lazy to to build but it. Not, but, to but, do you don't have, but you don't have a stat. Like you don't even run a stat website. I want to. I want. It's a valuable stat. Yeah. No, that's right. I think I. So I think to differentiate there, like like something like that is derivable from public data. And now you're just basically asking someone to get off their ass. Um, wondering that for, for me, some of the stuff that I wish was more available is, is some of the stuff that gets us a little closer to, to what we had on the team side. It's just um, stuff that helps better identify kind of what teams are doing. We get some data on like, you know, how often teams finish a play out of a pick and roll or something like that. But I want to know, I, like, I would just knowing, like, okay, what two, what combo of players have run the most side pick and rolls, have run the most middle pick and rolls, 
uh, what player rejects the screen more. Just like all these like little interesting bits about basketball. And I understand that, that a lot of this is, is sort of um, in the upsold package that team teams get to sort of parse some of the some of the, the tracking info to, to come out with the stuff quickly. But it seems like as we're moving towards the, the, the pose data, the more advanced version of stuff, that some of this other stuff should become more kind of in the public domain. Because all of it is stuff we talk about when we talk about basketball and just being able to, um, you know, pro- this is, I mean, really among the perfect roles of stats in talking about the game is really to contextualize what we're seeing. Um, you were talking earlier about, you know, in the refing, they see something unusual. Um, oftentimes we see something unusual, being able to look and see, oh, wow, uh, you know, he doesn't usually do that, does he? And see, no, actually, that's only the third time he's projected the screen all year. Like that would be, you know, there's there's a there's a specific thing that I think came up in one of our our, our playbacks, Mo, which is something that someone observed. Uh, Caitlin Cooper observed that uh, uh, from watching Karis Levert a lot with the Pacers that he loves to reject screens going to his left, but he can't make passes going to his left off the like that's like just being able to look up to find stuff like that would be just super cool and very useful and let us use stats to talk about basketball yeah and and there's a couple other things i'd like i mean granted i just made my massive plea and by the way i i understand but for the first 15 minutes of the uh podcast i've just been whining the whole time so i apologize so um, very very uh special episode for mo well i'm just annoyed <laughs> and that's what tends to happen um but the uh i think the the other stuff that would be kind of helpful in, in simple ways but you know, the, the NBA.com stats tracking stuff, the play type tracking. Can I just get the pick and roll all in one and, and then have it parsed out ball handler yeah. and, and, and roller and things like that? Like there's, there, there's small things like that that I think matters. I like to see, I like your idea, Seth, of it kind of individualized in terms of, you know, the pick and roll duos and things like that. I would almost want to go a small like step further and this one was going to get very complicated and I don't know how it would do it, but I'd like to see more switching data and more when teams switch, you know, Seth has brought it up a few times, you know, and, and, and it's a great observation, you know, thunder. um, the thunder, right. They switch late. They don't switch mm-hmm. early in the clock. They switch late in the clock. That'd actually be a really helpful tool to kind of just have that understanding of like, Oh, that we can show that to people. And I could explain it defensively of like, look, this is what they're doing that's different than everybody else. Instead, it's just, okay, this is what happened on a switch, boom. You know, but when you switch matters. I I think just defensive data in general, right? Like it's lagging way behind. And it's partially because defense is a team sport and offense can so often become an individual sport. That's That makes it more difficult to track. Like I can tell you, this guy put the ball in the basket. This guy put the ball in that guy's hands before he put it in the basket. A little bit more difficult on defense. I like screen navigation stats would be great for me. You know, I was watching Jaden McDaniels guarding KD last night and, and guarding Devin Booker and watching the way he was getting around screens. And this is a natural segue to our next question. Oh, guys, nope, nope, nope. I got oh, stop you got you. one more. I got one more thing. Cause you know me, I can't stop talking, man. Um, the, the, uh, uh, <laughs> one more thing, one more go thing. check it out on video. Um, the, to your point, Dave, about defensive tracking, it's so hard to quantify certain things. There was a great possession last night where KD denied the hell out of uh, Anthony Edwards. Would not let the, the Wolves get the ball in that possession. 
by just pure luck, by not pure luck, but by good defense, the wolf, uh, the Suns got to stop on that. If the Suns scored on that, KD's defensive net rating would have gone up. He would have would have been a, a, a negative thing. But he did his job, and I think that's something that's a very hard quantifiable thing to do in that instance. You know, it's it's kind of like the Drew Holiday video and why I think he's so underrated. A lot of the stuff he does is not quantifiable. And I yeah. think that's a, an important aspect with defensive. It's like uh, a denial yeah. stat. That's actually that's actually pretty good, especially if you're if it's a denial on a number one option. I mean, that's something that you want to know. I, I mean, I think that that sort of ties into something that I wish was in like the base play by play with some shot clock information. Like we have the game clock. I, is there a reason the shot clock can't also feed into that? So we know that this this shot was taken with. You know, we can kind of guess at it, but then you're left us some vagaries of when stats get entered um and then on top of that like have like have okay we're tracking deflections put that in the play-by-play too because i like to, to your point mo like we we kind of know that like tipping the ball out of bounds making the offense start over has value i would like to okay well we we ran down the possession clock by three extra seconds by doing that what's that worth that would be that like being able to do stuff like that really start to help us give credit to guys who, you know, deny a pass or make the offense slow down or whatever. Yeah. It's good stuff. Okay. Next question guys from Jeff Besoy. What are your thoughts on the full strength Minnesota Timberwolves? Obviously just a couple of games with Carl Anthony Towns back. Then they were missing Anthony Edwards for a couple of games. Now I don't know if we can say that they've been full strength because they have the flu but they have a stomach flu going through their team. And I do think that in the game that, that was Wednesday night uh, against Phoenix, they did look late in the game. They just looked slow. They looked tired. They look like a team that had the flu running through them. Um, so I, I don't really know if we've got enough. Uh, I don't know if we've got enough data <laughs> to make any sort of estimations. Um, but maybe there's stuff that we can we can sort of piecemeal here. Number one, I think Anthony Edwards is the number one option, especially late in games. He, this season, he has proven that that's their that's their guy, and when they've gone away from that late in games, it has not gone well for them, and that's a concern I have about fitting Carl Anthony Towns back in. But then <coughs> Carl Anthony Towns, hit, you know, hits a game winning transition three against the Warriors, and you're like, well, kind of nice to have Carl Anthony Towns out there. So, um, what do you guys think right now about the Timberwolves, and, and what do you want to see out of them the last you know six games, I guess, or five? First of all, shouts to Carl College's own uh, Jeff Soy, uh several years behind. But, uh, um, I think that that as you're saying, like their best, some of their best stretch of the year was when Towns was hurt. They had kind of maybe shunted D'Angelo Russell off to the side, and they closed games with Edwards as the ball handler, Gobert at the center, and three. Three versatile, switchy, lengthy guys in the other spots. Whether that was some combination of Kyle Anderson, Tarian Prince, uh, Jane McDaniel's, or whoever else, I thought that was their bet because a it, it had a lineup that could guard people. B that like everyone kind of knew what the plan was, and now that Towns is back, it seems like they're back to try to, to sort of is it me? Is it you? Are we are we what? How? And there's a little bit of that hesitation whether. And everyone's maybe trying to do a little too much, and that's 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 whether it's it's Towns taking shots, whether it's Gobert trying to set the best screen in the history of the world, 
to get someone open and then gets called for for an offensive foul, or whether it's uh, you know Edwards trying to hit an to hit, hit an eight pointer when they're down eight with about six minutes left in the game. They had they had they had a in that game we're talking about. They got about seven offensive rebounds in three possessions. I don't think they scored because they just kept taking terrible jacked up shots. Well, it was the refs uh, the refs were trying to yeah. get the Suns. <laughs> But it's like if we just make one of these, the game will be tied. It's like no, you still be down five. No, it's the hardest thing with this Wolves team is they've just not had enough time together to figure it out. And I and I mean, just go back to the beginning of training camp. They were resting Rudy Gobert coming off the Euroleague uh, championship. They were Carl uh, Anthony Towns got really sick. Remember, like he lost a ton of weight, all that stuff. So they basically lost training camp. Uh, Anthony Edwards came into camp fat and out of shape and, and and really loved Popeye's chicken apparently. And then, you know, through even the early runs of that stuff, you had a situation where then cat goes down with an injury and they struggled right away off the bat. Then cat goes down with an injury and we all kind of said it like, it'll be very interesting to see what this team does now and, and, and how they come together. Cause one less piece to really integrate and Nas the rise of Nas Reed and everything that's rolling through it. And then now, Cat comes back so late in the season. I don't know what to think of this team at this point because I don't think they know in that sense. You know, it's just because they've not had any time together to really figure this whole stuff out. And I think that's the ultimate challenge for them going into it. So, you know, I, I hate to have this answer, but like, I, I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know is where we kind of live, guys. Like this is this is this show, right? Like if you if you needed a synopsis, they don't know, but they're trying to figure it out. And I think that when you look at this team, I see more balance with Carl Anthony Towns off the court than I do when he's on. Uh, part of that is the defense. They just play better defenders in that spot when it's not Carl Anthony Towns. The Nas Reed and Rudy Gobert lineups have actually been really good. They, they've they run out some, Chris Finch has run out some incredibly gigantic lineups that have worked. Jaden McDaniels, uh, Tarian Prince, Gobert and and Nas Reed with a guard, and sometimes no guard. I mean, it's it's really fascinating what they've got from a from a personnel perspective. But then Carl Anthony Towns, like we know what he is. I, I just I don't know. I don't know what to think of him uh, with Carl uh, Anthony Towns. I have a good sense of who they are without him. I want. I I have a crazy idea, which you can't do now at this late in the season for them. Play all three of them. Let's see what happens. <laughs> Go super big. <laughs> Go. Why not? Just the thing just, is, you know what? Just get with, crazy with it. With Nas Reed and and Carl Anthony Towns being able to shoot and put it on the floor a little bit, like they can attack closeouts. Both good enough passers. I mean, you could you could do that. I mean, it would have. I, I, I have a lot of questions defensively <laughs> and concerns on that end. There's there's no question about it. But you know what? Yeah, you they would get every rebound. So Let's Kyle Anderson. Also, no, they wouldn't because I, I did see Tory Craig sneak in and steal some, some <laughs> offensive rebounds from those guys last night. So I don't know. What do you think, that's, Seth? Man. So that's interesting you say they get every rebound. That's, that was actually one like one of their problems, as you said, is they give them a ton of offensive rebounds. Um but again, like I think Chris that they, like, they've yeah. got the flu. So I'm trying yeah. not to let that game color too much for me. Um yeah. because I, I do want to give them the, the human benefit of the doubt. No, it's. I mean, it's 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 what it's what Mo said. Like they just haven't had enough time, and this is not a roster that like 
there's some lineup combinations, some players. Like part of the reason why we're a little bit bullish on the Suns is Kevin Durant is not uh, for a, a that level of player. You don't actually have to do all that much to integrate him. Right. So he just kind of plug him in, and then oh, I got Kevin Durant over there. That's nice. Um, whereas if you've got you know Rudy is a is a pretty specific player. Cat is frankly a pretty specific player. Kyle Anderson's a pretty like they have a lot of like interesting guys. The problem with having interesting guys is how do we make them all work together? And you kind of you know you can have some theories about how it might work, but until you actually see it, you don't. You're gonna have to adjust. And when have they had a chance? Like this is the first. This is probably the first time all season that they've had all of Anderson, Gobert, and Towns available. And it's those tough. are those are three of their five most important players. It's just tough, man. Like you just this is one of those things. This is why when people say to me the regular season doesn't matter, and, and even when teams think that, I'm like, yo, no, it absolutely does for teams. This is time to experiment and and figure some stuff out. Now you're late in the season, and they couldn't. Like this isn't this is just one of those things. So they're gonna go into even the offseason with questions, and they just unfortunately aren't gonna be able to have the answers because they didn't have enough of a, their, their team together to really kind of figure it out. This is a Chris Finch has done a great job considering all the challenges this team had throughout the season. Feels like a team that might be making some sort of trade. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. Hey Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get direct TV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream direct TV over the internet now. Oh sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream direct TV without a satellite dish. Visit directtv.com. High speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Um, next question, Steve Thomas, and this one's a big one, guys. If the 76ers falter in the playoffs early, do you think the Knicks should make a pitch for Embiid? Let's open this up and just say, if they fail early in the playoffs, and I would assume anything before the conference finals means early, you guys see Embiid maybe not being in Philly? I think it's possible. I honestly, just because I think if that happens and I think there's a possibility, the first shoe to drop would have to be James Harden leaving. And, and I know how much Embiid loves Philly and everything that's been going on there. And, and, and he's really embodied the, the organization and the city. And, and like, you can tell the loves there. I think it's really possible though at this point, just because, you know, what, what happens, you know, we've gone through it so many times at a certain point, we we've seen this story over and over again. I think, to answer the question, I think the Knicks are in good position. I mean, I think a lot. I think every team should kick the tires on it. Like this is a dude that's going to be one of the top three in the MVP voting. Might even be the MVP. I think you have to have that conversation. But it all comes down to to the most important thing: How do you go out in the playoffs? If you go out, you get your ass kicked in the second round by the Celtics. Like it. 
5-1 and, and, and it's not very close, like, yeah, I think there's a legitimate possibility. You play them tough seven-game series and it's a, a whatever, just a crazy scenario, then I think he sticks around. But it's, it's going to be interesting. What do you think, Seth? On one hand, I don't, I don't want to go down the who's the next star to get traded. Although, you know, at this point, you know, Embiid has probably been a guy who's who's been there long enough and given enough that he maybe has earned the right to. Hey, it's not happening here. Let's let's you know, we 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 did our best, shake hands and and kind of and kind of move along. Um, so, I, can I see that happening? Yeah. Um, and as Bo says, like uh, this is you know. At times, we've been critical of the of the Knicks front office, but they've put themselves in a position, um, you know, to be able to um, go go after stars. You know, they uh, um, it it doesn't hurt that some of their young players have developed. I think, I mean, I don't know with Philly's roster, he probably doesn't make a lot of sense, but Emmanuel quickly is probably uh, a, a someone whose trade value has appreciated over the course of the year and and so yeah i think that 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 you know the the, the knicks who if they want they want you know a star to even go above jalen brunson obviously anyone who becomes available above a certain level they have to i i i don't think Embiid would leave not not this summer they've got flexibility on the roster like you mentioned they could lose Harden. That maybe that's a sign in trade, and they get something back. Still have Tobias Harris. I, I think that I think he would be in for a reboot. I mean, and I'm obviously projecting he may never leave. If I were Joel Embiid, I would never leave. He's the king of Philadelphia. Why would you leave? You know, I mean, you you have an organization that's going to cater to you, treat you well. Um, never heard him say that he didn't like living in Philly. Like it's not. It seems to me like it's a great place to live and work. Um, and you're as long as you're going to be a top five player in the league, which I think Embiid should be able to for a while. Um, he's going to have a team catering to him uh, from every standpoint, including roster construction. So I would think this summer, yeah, the Knicks should everybody should call at every opportunity, but I, I think it would be fruitless. It's not for us to say like like what a player's preferences should be, sure. but the counter the counterfactual is. Would any of us have begrudged Damian Lillard if he'd have asked out of Portland three or four years ago? No, no. But I'll be and, annoyed and if he does it now. And and so and so that is um, like you know, I think the writing was on the wall th- that long ago in Portland that it probably was never happening at a championship level there, um, at least not in sort of this iteration of the team. Um, if you get to a point now. Like again, you're you're a decade into your career. You, you, the, the, there's more there's more ground behind you than there's ahead of you. I have no problem at all with the player like deciding. You know what? I want to win championships, and I don't think it's going to happen here. So we need to figure something out. I think yeah. that is. I think he's super within his rights as long as it's handled like respectfully and, and, and professionally, rather than poutily. And Embiid has done it. Embiid has done right by the city of Philadelphia. Like he's really like he's been completely bought. He's in. the king of Philadelphia, and I and don't I'm, say that lightly. And I'm with you, Dave, in that like yeah, you should never leave when you're in that instance. Kevin Garnett was the king of Minnesota, 
and they went nowhere. Now, this team's better. Obviously, the organization's better. They're doing much better. I like this team around them. You know, like, they've done a good job, and Daryl Morey has built a team around them. I, for me, it all hinges on, like, I don't think they have as much flexibility as as you think, Dave, if, if Harden leaves. You know, even in a sign and trade, I can't imagine he's bringing that much back for you that's going to put you in a contender. And if he leaves, and this was the best Philadelphia 76er team you've been on since you've been there, if you're Joel Embiid, you have to start looking at it. Wow, we have thunder in L.A. This is wild. Sorry, guys, I got totally sidetracked. That might be time for me to shut up. Yeah. I, I would just say this. Um, yeah, the, the team itself, I think Daryl Morey can't be underestimated here when it comes to retooling a roster. I mean, he he retooled this one. I think yeah, he did a pretty good East. job. Well, I mean, but it's working, right? Like this is a team. And by the way, so it's obviously pretty early and they're playing really good basketball. So I think that they're going to make the conference finals. They're just, they're, they're just tough. And and I think wow. they're gonna, I do. That's I think quite it's a prediction. Wow. I think it's Philly, and I think it's it's Milwaukee. I just I you think know they got is, it. If you tweeted that the the uh, day before the first day of practice before the conference finals, I think they'd bring a framed copy of that tweet out for Marcus Smart to sign. Celtics <laughs> practice. I mean, look, man. I, you know, I just don't trust the Celtics right now. But you know, we're, we're getting early. Playoff previews coming in a couple of weeks. Um, all right, guys. Last question. And this is from Dr. Clam, Madison Mollusk, friend of the show. To honor the Kings playoff spot, what are some other light the beam style gimmicks that NBA teams looking to spice things up in the boardroom could try? I actually love this question. Number one, give us a chance. <laughs> sorry, to- I just got that. I did, I'd seen the question before and I just got that. So the I'm boardroom. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> spice things up in the boardroom. Yeah. yeah. Funny guy. Guy's a doctor uh, in real life. Um, so... I, I was thinking about this question. Number one, it's a chance for us to congratulate Sacramento Kings and their fans on making the playoffs and ending the longest playoff drought in a, in North American professional sports. Um, fantastic story. Is it only North story. American? It was only North sports? American. I, oh, I thought it was worldwide. Well, oh, now I, I'm not as I didn't as do impressed. enough research. I mean, there, you know how many <laughs> soccer leagues? And, you know, well, they um, don't do playoffs. So, yeah, yeah, well, that's, that's true. That's true. That's true. So, uh, well, it's, Anyway, congratulations to the Kings. But, guys, do you guys have any variations on lighting the beam? I have one for the Orlando Magic, uh, if you guys want me to start. Please start. Okay. David Copperfield, after every win, after every home win, comes out and does a series of tricks, and it escalates throughout the season. And so as they win more and more games, the tricks are bigger and bigger and bigger until – Epcot Center disappears, David Copperfield, because they win fifty games or something like that. I have a, I have a, uh, I have a twist on that one. No, is instead of you know how they have the beam on top of the like they have instead of that they have like David Copperfield in one of those escape boxes. <laughs> yeah, and he can only escape if they win. If they win, so I mean, if, if they, they lose, lose if they lose, stuck, he's, stuck, there... he's stuck in the box until the next time they win. Yeah, that's so gonna be if tough they, if they go on a five-game yeah, losing streak it. or something. So we're kidnapping David Copperfield for, for <laughs> the so. Orlando Magic. Um, I, I don't know. Honestly, that's a lot like, of work for look, for Copperfield there. <laughs> lighting the beam is kind of perfect for for numerous reasons. Number one, it's a community builder. You can look if you live there. You can look outside and you see the light, and it's gonna make you think about the Kings. Uh, sort of a reward to the fans. It becomes such a fun thing. It's it's funny because I think we we all were like, oh, that's an idea. 
And now I think we universally love this idea. Um, I don't know if you can repeat it. If, if you're idea. looking for something, yeah, if you're looking for something, you're not going to find that. Yeah, I think Memphis is a, with their wrestling gimmicks that they run all year, um, they are, are probably, you know, the best game, game ops folks. I mean, because that's really who are making these decisions. Um, but the Sacramento beam is just such a, it's a, it's a home run. I, I don't there's, know how anybody else could even come up with anything close. There's, there's no way we could really top it. Um, I think because the, the beam goes straight up. So you can't, <laughs> well, also I hate beam, you, Seth. I know you beam. help me with stats, but I <laughs> hate you sometimes. Like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> you know, in Philly, they, they ring the bell, right? And, and that's, that's cool. But like, they do that before the game. You need like it's like a victory cigar, or something like that. So I I I I, I want a <laughs> I want the Toronto Raptors to have a dinosaur rise up on top of their uh, the the roof, uh, whatever they uh, they they win. So it just looks like the dinosaurs has has risen. Um, I'm not creative enough. I'm sorry, Doctor Glam. Like if trust me, if I had any smarts in terms of marketing, I'd probably be in a different industry. Um, this really ain't my uh, my. By flow, no, it's it's the, the I mean, the, the, as you said, Dave, the, the the genius of this is just how like simple it is, and we're like, you know, you try it. Well, the, their mascot is I'm like, what does the beam have to do with Sacramento? It's just a purple thing of light. Big just Mace Windu fans, you know? and it was awesome. Yeah. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah. It's a great yeah. idea. Like it's so much fun, and then you hit the button to light the beam, and all of those things. I think more importantly, and it's fun to have Sacramento in the playoffs. Because I'll be honest with you, I mean, how awesome would it be if somehow we get a Sacramento Lakers first round with the history and rivalry that's between these two cities in that sense? Golden State and Sacramento in the first round, with that being close, there's going to be some sort of rivalries and things like that. Like, it's, it's kind of fun in that sense. Imagine how drunk the series would be if it's Minnesota-Sacramento, considering what we saw how Minnesota looked last year in the drunkiest of drunk series. Like... Add Sacramento into the mix, and it's going to be well. I'm just excited to have them. To be honest, their fan base is totally worth it because they go completely nuts. They go so hard with everything. Like, I'm excited to see them in the playoffs and on top of it, having home court advantage. Like, good for them. I don't yeah. believe in them much, but like, good for them. Doesn't matter. But those it, games are going to be lit. Yeah. Unbelievable. Like, Unbelievable. Yeah. Love it. And the beam was part of it. The beam was part of that kind of rise. And, brought them national attention really like i think it's just one of those things like that was genius it's an example of of like this is like a good vibe story all the way around and the players embrace the beam that is it's just organic and i don't think that you can repeat it It, you would have to have something like organic happen you know it's it's an octopus on the hockey rink you know, it's, it's there. There are other things that are happening, and some of them are a little more like you know, their teams have done sort of the defensive the defensive player the game chain, which is like a little bit ripped off from like football teams doing the turnover chain and stuff like that. But still, like that's the kind of thing that, like you say, it's a good vibe thing. One of the trends that I actually kind of like, and this isn't necessarily like a outward facing thing, I really like when teams like crash the post game interview. And it's just like Thunder you know, has like, been great about yeah the other the other like the the you know Jalen Williams, hipster rookie of the year, um, J Dub gets a he get gets a tip in at the buzzer. Mo's mad at me again. I can see him. 
It's a tidbit at the buzzer, and like it's a steady stream of just constantly being mad at you. It doesn't go away. <laughs> it's, there's, 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 fair. Uh, I'm used to that actually. Um, but then it's, it's he's talking, and then the whole team is just suddenly behind him, and just like, yeah, this is our guy. And I, I, I like that because that, that you know it's it, it's it's silly, it's fun, and hey, sports are supposed to be fun, so. You know, as soon as it starts to become contrived, which is why this question is kind of tough. That's it. Um, That's exactly why. Yeah, you can't manufacture this. It just kind of has to. I need need behind the scenes of this. You know, Stauskas? Was it it Beam? We doing a Beam? That's what I need. I need the the documentary series from the Kings. I need to know how the Beam uh, came about. I just want to see it. It's like, the, you know, someone's like, you know what? T-shirt cannons are all right, but you know it would be awesome if we had one thing that had four barrels of T-shirt cannons. <laughs> yes. And then then a Bucks game off person, you know what would be cooler? If we had two different four that they, that it was an, we had an anti-aircraft gun. And like, that's, you know, <laughs> we know how I feel about T-shirt guns. Need a t-shirt now we're going to have fighter shirt. jet T-shirts that are yeah. dropping them off. Oh, let's go. doing drone drops, right? Like, yeah. I, think, I know that, you know, at All-Star, they did the, uh, the, the paratroop T-shirt drop. Um, we we definitely are not far off. The, 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 uh, the parachute we're, stuff from the ceiling is creepy as hell to me because it looks like a bunch of jelly. I think jelly <laughs> are freaky. So All right, we're good, off, good to know how to we're scare you with that. Yeah. So. All right, that's gonna do it for the mailbag, Mo. Unless you got one more thing nope. here. All right, <laughs> yeah, but he I does do. have Go one check out one more thing. thing. On Twitter. Go read my article on the Boston right. Celtics on Bleacher Report about Joe Mazzulla being an X factor for them. I'm plugging all my stuff, Dave. That's right. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, This has been Nerder, she wrote, on the Athletic NBA Show. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.